You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. one 800 060-896 or visit Well, New Zealand tonight, this horse is going to start one of the favourites in this race called The Race, sponsored by Grins. On the outside, it's copy that though, a length can go Smithy's Terror. Then came Old Town Road in front, copy that. Copy that, the dual New Zealand Cup winner, and now he's a dual City of Auckland free-for-all winner too, and that was very, very comfortable. Uh, we know he's an established star, copy that, in New Zealand. And, yes, he's uh, the favourite tonight at $2.40. And Old Town Road, who we just heard his name mentioned, a three thirty, And then you've got to Self-Assured, uh, $4.40 and Akuta at seven fifty. Darren Clayton is with us. How are you, Darren? I'm well, thank you. How are you today? Good, thank you. Good time for Queenslanders to view this race as well uh, in New Zealand this afternoon. Yeah, it certainly is. It falls into a, a nice little spot there, about 20 past six, I think, thereabouts for uh, Queensland time. So, yeah, we don't have to stay up late like we will have to to watch the one on the other side of the country. All right, Mick Geerin is joining us from New Zealand. How are you, Mick? Good morning, boys. Um, I'm well. A big hi to your listeners, and thanks for the opportunity to talk to you today. And I'm looking forward to both races. I'll be heading to Cambridge shortly from Auckland. Cambridge is about and now 45 south of Auckland. It's going to be a really good race because not only does it have a very balanced field, but an outstanding array of drivers. There wouldn't be many races I've been to in the last five years where you've got Chris Alfred, Tony Hurley, Natalie Rasmussen, Mark Purden, Greg Sugars, and nobody drives Cambridge better than David Butcher. He's in there with his son, Zach. And Blair Orange, multiple premiership winner. That's a hell of a list of drivers and as strong a lineup of drivers as I would have seen in Australasia in the last 10 years. Mick, Old Town Road, Chris and I have often spoken about him. He's so talented. He hasn't won this preparation, but tonight from a good draw, is it his night in the sun, um, Old Town Road? Or night in the, under the lights, so to speak? I think he, I think Darren he'll be the first leader. I think he'll get to the winning post in front. And bizarrely, in New Zealand on the TRB, you can actually bet on that. There's a, a first to the post bet. But the question is then, does he hand up? And I think his best chance of winning is handing to copy that and letting copy that absorb the mid-race pressure. Because Old Town Road got very fired up when he led last week. And Blair Orange is going to keep going on copy that. If they go to war over that first 400, they'll both undo each other. And then self-assured and Akuta will swoop into the race. And maybe better Eclipse, well, I think it's the better of the two Australians. And I think they'll be vulnerable. The other scenario, and I think it's a race of two very clear scenarios, is Old Town Road jumps straight to the lead. It'll cross the one and a heartbeat. And then hands to copy that, lets him deal with all that other rubbish. Then he gets up the parcel lane, which is a very advantageous place to be at Cambridge. I agree with you. He hasn't won for a while, and he's never been a passing lane horse because coming through the grades, he's been so dominant. My gut instinct is for a million, Zach Butcher will take the trail because then you're probably saying to yourself, yes, I can still win, but if I don't win, I'm going to run second. Whereas if you, like Spirit of St. Louis, for example, in the Hunter Cup, say to yourself, I'm going to lead at all costs, you might still win, 
but you're also a chance of running down the track. Can you so just... un... Sorry, Darren. Yeah, sorry. So under that scenario, Mick, uh, so he lets copy that go to the front. Who is then the, the runner that comes out and applies some pressure to copy that in the run? Because a few of those others would be, would be relying on that speed through the middle stages to, to take the sweeper shot. I think BD Joe, they've indicated they're going to come off the gate hard enough. And, and often the tempo in the first 400, if you really go hard that first 400, you actually don't need too much mid-race pressure because A, they've got such a head of steam up. You can't just go 426 then back off to 32. You, you actually can't physically do that. So I think if the first 400 is frenetic enough, you create enough tempo and kinetic energy that, that the tempo is going to be there for the rest of the race. But secondly, if you do that, it gives a cooter and self-assured a chance to move. And they can move as a pair, end up outside the leader and in the one-on-one, and then they can apply the pressure. But again, that comes down to how quick they go that first 400. Because if they get the first 400 and sub-27, then the leaders are vulnerable. And the first 600, the lead time in sub-41, the leaders are vulnerable. If they are slower, if it's a 27 and a half opening quarter and a first 642 or 42 and 5, it really doesn't matter where the pressure comes from because these other horses in front will be way too good. So I think this race will be won and lost uh, by the time they get to the top of the back straight the first time. So your top four numbers in this race tonight, million dollars? Um, I'll go, it has to be copy that on top so he's actually number four but he's going to start from barrier three four to beat three i'll go the lead trail scenario because it wins a lot more races than it loses um self-assured absolutely can win if things go his way so four three ten and eleven is the other chance for those who are listening to this who think well how do i make some money out of that I think Better Eclipse actually has a small chance of storming home that Sunshine Sprint winner and getting some place money. So he is the blowout chance in the race, Better Eclipse, but he needs that second scenario, the pace early, the burn scenario, before he gets his chance to swoop into the race lane. Mm. And Mick, just quickly, before we let you go, I know you've got another media commitment, but whose brainchild was this race? And Grins, I understand the sponsors, alcoholic beverage over there in New Zealand? Yeah, it's one of those um, alco-pop-type drinks. But a guy called David Branch is, is the future of harness racing administration in New Zealand. And, in fact, I think he's one of the best harness racing administrators I've dealt with. Just a young guy, and they came up with this idea, like lots of ideas people come up with, but someone needed to say, no, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get it done, I'm going to make this happen. And he studied heaps of slot races from around the world, including the Pegasus and the Everest. He went out and made it happen by sheer willpower. This race should not be called the race by Grins. This race should be called the race by David Branch. Remember that name, because racing administrators at his level of dedication are very rare right around Australasia. And what about the slots? What did they cost? $75,000, but you get 37 guaranteed back. But the key factor is this. As a business, if you're a stud, you get 40% back on tax. So you pay your slot $75,000, you're getting $30,000 back on tax because it's a promotional activity, and then you're getting $37,000 back guaranteed in stake. So you can do the math pretty quickly. If you're someone like Labrooks, you can get a slot, and basically it's free. We'll be watching this race with a great deal of interest. Thanks, Mick. Always a pleasure, boys. Nice Mick, to talk Mick to you. And good luck to all your punters. Yeah, thank you, Mick Gearin, joining us there. So that's interesting, isn't it? The 
with the slots there, Darren. Uh, a million dollar race tonight. I, I think it might be six. Is it six fifty Queensland? Um, uh, yeah, six fifty PM. Six fifty. Yeah, and it's the last, the last of eight from Cambridge. So mm. there's eight races there. Um, the race prior to it's actually a, a pretty good trot race too, Steve. It's the Waikato Flying Mile, and there'll be another Australian horse in action there. And is actually the odds-on favourite at the moment with Tab a dollar ninety for Aldebaran Zeus. Brent Lilly, a former Kiwi training out of Victoria now, and Chris Alford. Uh, originally, that was the horse he was going across to drive, and um, in the wash-up of that, with Triple Eight getting a slot in the Grins race um, for Jess Tubbs, Chris Alford's then been booked to drive Triple Eight in that race, uh, race eight, the, the one million dollar slot race. Quite incredible, isn't it? You, you know, someone, if you had suggested to someone a couple of years ago, Darren, that there'd be, on a Friday night there'd be two million dollar harness events in Australasia, um, someone would have laughed at you. Yeah, and and off the back of that, possibly say that the two best horses, arguably, in the country will be taking part in neither of those two $1 million races. The one so. you're referring to is, of course, um, Leap to Fame. And the other one being Catch a Wave, so um, who's got the runs on the board while Leap to Fame's been having a spell. So it, it really is a, a real growth time, and these slot races have certainly um, you know, been a, a big catalyst for the, this type of uh, activity. And, um, you know, the WA trilogy the, the three races that they're having from tonight and over tomorrow that's certainly um you know that's been a, a big added bonus as well it's the first year this year the grins was the race by grins was their first edition last year um perhaps going forward they can have a little bit of a look at where it sits but ultimately it probably hasn't affected the in the harness side of it hasn't really affected it too much i don't think so um yeah yeah to have two races for a million dollars in one on the same night, astounding. Yeah. The only thing about this, and I've said this before with this big race, the Nullarbor, and we can't wait for it tonight. Obviously, Magnificent Storms at a dollar seventy-five with Tab. It's just the time of it to the Eastern States. It it doesn't really capture an audience because most people will be in bed tonight when this is going to be run at about eleven o'clock at night um, for Queensland. You know, from Eastern States. Yeah, it certainly makes it a little bit tougher, and that's probably, you know, another factor that, you know, would need looking at. I reckon at. they should have put it on a bit earlier. Yeah, well, you look at the fact that, um, you know, generally feature races, are, you know, races six, seven or eight on, on a meeting, you look at that New Zealand race, it's the last race of their meeting over there, so, you know, it's late in the night, but for... Uh, Australian interest, it's in a perfect spot, whereas, you know, the WA one, it's, um, you know, it's it's late in the night for the Eastern States, but that, you know, interesting that Gary Hall Senior has come out uh, during the week, um, you know, their race is race 9 of 10, uh, he's come out and said he doesn't rate any of the Eastern State horses that have come across, so, um, you know, they've... I guess gone it alone, so to speak. But um, you know, it, it's still a good race. But it, it doesn't help that they've got a ten race card and they put it at race nine. Um, you know, eight fifty four local time for them. But for us on the eastern state, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not too palatable. So on the back of Gary's comments, he's basically suggesting that um, better zip it and also. Spirit of St. Louis have got zero. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much what he the the, the way you could read into it. But uh, and you know, I think they will. Spirit of St Louis, he's really going to struggle out there in gate eight, especially off the back of his run last week. He had that warm up run at Gloucester Park. Um, that race was over the 2,500 metre trip and um, you know, he did a little bit of work early getting forward but then he got some cover um, finished 8 metres away they've come home in 55.8 reasonable going there around Gloucester Park but uh, yeah I think drawn wider on the track tonight I think he's certainly going to, to be facing a big task there especially with what we saw from Magnificent Storm and um, you know, since since that victory, the connections of Magnificent Storm have come out and said, not only is um, you know do they think he's going a lot better, they possibly think he's going the best they've ever had him, which is um, which is a huge call to make with with what he's been able to do already in his career, mm. twenty eight time winner. So um, he holds all the aces from gate two, and Aldo Cortapasi, he'll be. Uh, He'll be driving like a man possessed, you would imagine, to try yeah. to get this get this first nullabor in the bag. Yeah, we spoke to his principal owner yesterday, Rob Tomlinson, about Magnificent Storm. How they got him from New Zealand, where his his debut was solid. You know, um, Todd McFarlane had him for that one run. That was October two thousand eighteen, and they bought him. What sort of money? He, I obviously didn't push him, um, and he wasn't going to tell me anyway. But what sort of money do you reckon they paid for him then? before he went to Perth and then he won his first, was it 12 in a row, then he got beaten in the nugget and then he won another seven in a row. Magnificent storm. So I wonder what sort of money they would have paid for him back then. Yeah, back then, um, after one start, um, once once the W, there's big money from the WA buyers, so once sort of uh, they would have been established of who was, who was having a look about, uh, they're pretty good, the Kiwis, at uh, bumping a few extra dollars onto the price, depending who's looking. Um, I would imagine it'd be two hundred thousand dollars plus. Oh, really? Um, for that type of horse, yeah. Which um, after you know, running eight seem... debut, yeah, yeah, yeah. If they've got an opinion and they they would go over and have a drive and and a um, um, you know a bit of a steer of him and passes the vet check, that would be the sort of money they they're not cheap coming from New Zealand, especially if they have a bit of a boom. If you take a horse like Hot and Treacherous Steve, he's come to Queensland and I'm not uh, entirely sure of his price. We see him go around for the first time at Albion Park tomorrow night. Not sure what they would have paid this time, but I know around about October last year, October, November last year, he was under a possible sale um, at that point in time, and I know that it was um, it was reported it was knocked back at two hundred and fifty thousand. Now here's a horse that um, you know already got a few runs on the board, whereas Magnificent Storm, when they've got the untapped ability, um, they can almost ask just as much. Mm. Just look at his prize money. So tonight he's going to almost double it because at the moment he's got six hundred and forty four, I think, in the bank from. 28 wins, 44 starts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 644,000 and, and a best winning time of 1.53. So um, not sure what sort of time they'll need to run tonight, but uh, it's over the long trip. So I guess it doesn't matter what time you run if you first pass the post in that type of money race. Mm, Lavra Joe's beaten, of course, Magnificent Storm. Uh, two starts ago in the Bunbury Cup, of course, when Lavra found the top and that was the end of the penny section. So I wonder what they do with him out of the gate tonight. 
I guess it's a bit like the New Zealand race where um, what, what Mick was just saying in that you're racing for a million dollars. You, you know, do you do you take the option of handing up and knowing that you probably don't have to absorb any pressure and then be there at the finish and you're still a chance, or or take that chance of putting all your eggs in one basket, getting forward and just seeing if you can see it out. So. We know Lavra Joe's a very tough horse. The Bunbury Cup's over the, a similar distance to what tonight's race is. It was, um, you know, just on the 13 furlongs in the Bunbury Cup. And Lavra Joe, once he got to the front, he was really solid there and um, come home in sort of 56 and 2, but it was solid running right the way through. So um, a few of those horses backing up again. Like you said, Magnificent Storm had to sit outside him on that occasion and, and couldn't reel him in. So... Uh, Lavrajo has to start one barrier outside him tonight. Um, I don't know whether he can get across him. I, you wouldn't think so with what we've seen of the of the barrier speed. They're pretty much, um, you know, level speed. So whoever draws inside is going to hold that advantage. Better Zipper, fascinating runner. Um, when was the last time he had to come off the arm, um, off a good draw? He's been sort of coming. Off speed, hasn't he? And getting yeah, well, his last couple at Menangle. So his last one at Menangle, he drawn barrier eight. So um, you know, once they they're drawn out there, they do get a bit of a slingshot across at the start, and they've got a, a long run into that first turn. So um, sometimes it can be a bit deceiving of um, how quick they actually are out because they've got time to really just um, you know, rather than sort of going. 60, 70, 100 metres and then having to veer across. They've got a bit longer run before they start working across. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he can get out. Um, he led from Barrier 4 at Ballarat at his first run for Jason Grimson um, since he crossed over. So he's got an amazing record since he's joined the Grimson stable. He's had um, six starts for five wins and um, really the only failure, if you could call it that, he finished down the line in one of the Miracle Mile qualifiers behind Spirit of St. Louis and um, on that occasion just really didn't go his way. He didn't show any speed that night. They opted to just uh, take him off the arm on that occasion. So, um, yeah, I don't think he'd be able to get across, especially with the, the start point um, for the for the 2,536-metre race. Yeah. So um, he might be one that they more... Um, Jason Grimson's horses are always tough and strong. Um, he might be one that sort of makes a, a mid-race move to get forward. Yeah, I'm just watching that now that you've said it, that Menangle race. He did cross from the outside gate. He showed tremendous leg speed, didn't he? Yeah, um, to yeah cross. He, really, he really did fine. But like I say, sometimes mm. it can be a bit bit misleading when they are drawn wide there at Menangle because quite often you'll see horses drawn wide get across to the lead and you think oh that you know that's brilliant gate speed but um yeah you just break it down sometimes it's just a case of um sustained momentum coming into that first turn all right well that's a fascinating race tonight i'll be watching it on the the tab app early in the morning darren uh will you be up watching it live tonight uh, i'll i'll try i'll probably wake up at one o'clock on the lounge and go i'll have to watch a replay now that's the beauty of um with some of the technology, isn't it? With um, Foxtel yeah, IQ yeah. or whatever, you can just rewind it and go yeah, for your life it, or set it. Uh, set record. I'll be I'll be trying to stay up, but uh, yeah, whether I do or not is another matter. Mm. Besides those two races, we've spoken about the race in New Zealand at about ten to seven Queensland time, and the 
the big race tonight, the Nullarbor. Is there anything else? What about Albion Park tomorrow night? Anything stand out there in regards to a, a couple of highlights or one in particular? Yeah, well, um, we see that I just mentioned Hot and Treacherous just before, Steve. We see him make his first Queensland appearance for Jack Butler. So he's drawn barrier five in the uh, open there. Turn it up's drawn barrier seven. Uh, last week's free-for-all winner, Governor Judron, returning to form. Uh, he's in between them both in barrier six. So it'll be interesting what happens here uh, in the early stages. So these... At the moment, a lot of these free-for-alls that we're getting are, um, you know, it's divided, divided conditions where we don't have enough to make a full field of free-for-allers, so some horses are having to step up and they get the preferential draw. So we see that with the likes of American Outlaw and Surface drawn barriers one and two. So um, hot and treacherous. It'll be interesting to see what they do here, whether they try to get to the front. We know Turn It Up is blistering off the gate. So um, I, I can foresee him just getting straight across to the front and then um, he can hand over to one of the others if, if they so desire. Um, he just gets out that much quicker. But I, I think he is the one to beat. Hot and Treacherous is the favourite, marginally ahead of Turn It Up with the tab, but I think Turn It Up is the one to beat there. Uh, we also have a few um, APG, Australian Pacing Gold races there tomorrow night, Steve. Race 6 is the two-year-old Colts and Geldings final. Really nice horse from the Daryl Graham stable. Draws terribly, Dragon. But uh, he's been really good. He was runner-up on debut and has won both runs since the heat of this series. Um, he was satellite at about the 500 and really put in a solid sprint to get home and win that race. The next race, race seven, is the two-year-old Phillies final. More Sass will be a short price favourite to win this. She's undefeated from two starts. And um, to be fair to some of her opponents, they don't look in her class just at this stage. We've got a three-year-old um, mixed-sex final for the Colts and Geldings and the Phillies. Uh, Miss Fru-Fru, she was the winner of the Prelude. Uh, Queenslander, another one from Daryl Graham Stable. He was first up in the Prelude. He was the real eye-catcher of the, of the race, but he's drawn poorly inside the second line, so they might be just looking to ease back at the start and come around them, but uh, he's certainly up to winning that race uh, if he gets the right trip. And race nine is the four-year-old mixed-sex final, and that was the race where we were expecting to see Leap to Fame. Uh, he's not going around there, so Tim's a trooper, stablemate of Leap to Fame, group one winner in his own right, probably starts favourite from gate eight inside the second line. That said, he's the only runner off the second line, so Grant Dixon will have plenty of options there to get away from the fence early if he needs to. Query runner, speak the truth, drawn Gate 7. He's first up in almost 12 months. He was building really solidly through his three-year-old campaign last year. Just went amiss and he had to be put away before the uh, tri uh, before the winter carnival, sorry. Um, and we didn't see the best of him. He's trialled really well in preparation for his return. So um, he finished third in a trial behind Hot and Treacherous. So um, looking forward to seeing what he does Moving forward, just faces a tough gate tomorrow there in race nine, the Australian Posting Gold four-year-old right. final. But that's how we'll keep an eye on that colt by Art Major, Dragon, uh, for the Graham yeah. Stable. Showed a lot of speed last start, didn't it? Uh, it was zipped yeah, around when, them. Mm. Yeah, when uh, when Nathan Dawson set him alight, he really, mm. really showed a, a strong turn of foot. The time overall wasn't great, but that sprint and the way he put them away sort of within... You know, 150, 200 metres from making that run was really impressive. And um, he, he draws tricky out the back, but 
a, a similar sort of trip. You, there'll be a little bit more tempo this time around, you would expect. And, um, you know, I think he certainly up to the task very nicely. Bred horse is Dragon. Yeah, he was just watching his one out and two back, wasn't he? But, geez, when he let him go before the bend, gee, yeah, covered them quickly. Um, excellent. Yeah, got, and got in front and was sort of, once he got past them, that was the, the end of the section. Well, that's Dragon. So you've seen King on Turn It Up, don't you, at this Albion Park program tomorrow night, and you're surprised it's not favourite, but around 260. So that's that'd be a bet, would it? I, I think so, Steve. I think purely off the fact, too, um, we're, we're taking on a horse here in free-for-all company first up. It's very hard at the moment to win a race first up from a spell in Queensland put that into free-for-all grade it's it's a huge ask especially a horse that hasn't raced since december last year and is first up for a new stable uh, i've no doubt that hot and treacherous is going to do a wonderful job here in queensland but banking off the fact we know how consistent turn it up is he hasn't been out of the top three in the past 18 months and that's in free-for-all company that's not just you know picking off races here and there that's at the top of the top and um I think from gate seven, he's just got push button speed. I'll be prepared to to take him as a bet against Hot and Treacherous, who is first up and um, you know a horse we know and have seen, and we know his race fit. So um, that's why I'm leaning heavily into him. Five seven tomorrow night at Albion Park. That is turned it up. And what about this afternoon? Anything at all at the day program at Albion Park? Uh, this afternoon, Steve, it's uh, another 10-race card. It's, we've got plenty on over the next few days. We've got a a, um, a six-race standalone card at Kilcoy on the on the grass there on Sunday as well to look forward to. So that'll be uh, an interesting day. But uh, race five today, Steve, horse number two, Wonder Woman Jujon, uh, was first up at Redcliffe last start. Desperately unlucky, went to the pegs and just got stuck behind a tiring runner. She's second up. She can find the front and finds a very winnable race. $2.20 at the moment, tab fix, race five, number two. How do you feel about grass racing? We saw a meeting earlier this week, which I put to air. Was it Motor Carrara, one of those venues? It was on, yeah. the, on the grass. What do you make of it? Yeah. I, at, it's a good at spectacle. Were, it, is, it is a very good spectacle. I think maybe um, just need to, to find... Like Kilcoy does a good job. They're very progressive. The committee up there, and they got involved. And um, I, early doors a couple of years ago, we were seeing really strong nominations for the meetings. Um, this meeting and the last meeting they had at Kilcoy, they've really struggled to to fill fields. Um, you know, not extended nominations. So, I'm not sure whether that's um, you know timing when they're held uh, um, or whether the participants are just uh, a little bit wary to, to go in them. Um, as a spectacle, I think they're great. And uh, I'd like to see them perhaps move to a few other tracks as well, not just Kilcoy. But um, at the moment, that's we've had a, a meeting at the end of February. We've got this meeting. So, um, you know, we'll see how they go. But I think it's, it's one of those things that originally a little bit of a novelty, whether that novelty has worn off uh, and whether we need to perhaps look at, at maybe like a, what we've done with the show racing um, and have almost like a, or the stand start racing, almost a bit of a season for it, like they do in New Zealand. The grass track racing is only held in a, a certain uh, window and few different tracks and we have a, a season or a series 
of races over that period. So um, that's certainly something to look f- um, to look into. But the other the other thing of a series or a season, Steve, next Wednesday night, first round of the Trot Rods. They're back for oh, okay. Yeah, they're exciting, and, uh, aren't they? Because they're over in very quick time, obviously, and yeah, and the betting yeah, on them's they, pretty good. A lot of the favourites seem to win them. Uh, run well on them. Yeah, mm. they certainly do. And um, same format, the first uh, six weeks, five weeks, um, two races, races one and two on the card will be Trot Rods races. Um, What's the distance going again? Into- 947 metres, so okay. from the, the starting post of, of the normal 1,780 metre start and one lap. So um, starting this Wednesday coming, nominations are closed for that. They closed this morning, so I didn't have a, an opportunity to see what sort of numbers are there, but um, two races for the first five weeks and then, of course, the standalone night on I think it's May, uh, May 25, either 25 or 26, whatever the Wednesday night is that week, will be the big 10-race final. We've often talked about cross-promotion. I said during the week, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, some standard breads at a carnival day in Brisbane, you know, or uh, one of the big meetings during the carnival to just to show off the, the standard bread between races or something, whether you had just three or four horses or something and they just go a lap or something and... I don't know. I, don't, yeah. I just think it would be good to promote the sport. I've often been to the Brisbane show the past couple of years. I always go and watch those trotters and everyone gets involved and they'd love it. David goes to call them. Um, and it's huge. Yes. The kids get behind it and start screaming and carrying on. It's it's a good way to showcase yeah, harness I, racing. I think um, from a harness racing perspective, there'd be... Um, I would imagine there'd be plenty of interest in that if, you know, a, a one-lap sure race... Would. But um, whether you get the same interest from the galloping fraternity, I don't know. But um, I think it's certainly something that um, could be looked into. And like you say, just one race or two races and just a bit of a spectacle and, um, yeah, a bit of cross-promotion. So um, it's certainly something that I'd like to mm. see. Leap to Fame can have a blowout there before the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure whether they'd put him, put him around. But uh, even, even if it was just as a, a spectacle, like not necessarily... a you know, just take him to the track and, and show him off or yeah. um, that. I remember uh, a number of years ago, even, you know, different promotion-wise, there was a um, a Clydesdale race and it was half half of the um, half of the field was ridden by jockeys. The other half were ridden by trotting drivers. So, you know, just some sort of cross-promotional activities where we sort of bring the codes together. It's different, bit. yeah. I remember years ago I was the MC at the Dogs and uh, Sharon Cripps, who was one of the fastest short-course female runners in, in Queensland, took on Jim Byrne and a few of the jockeys as well in the Greyhound and, you know, it gets the crowd involved and, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, hmm. yeah it certainly is and, there's, you know, I think some of those uh, opportunities are endless in, in how you look at promoting different, uh, different spectacles. I know... Um, back at Bathurst years ago they used to every year they had a race and it was a um, a a person running versus a horse so the horse had to run a mile on the old half mile track so the the runner he ran a mile and the horse had to run two mile and quite often they ended up crossing the line right together at at the same time yeah well you could time it that way couldn't you just work it out yeah yeah yeah. Mm. uh, any any sorts of uh Promotion and eyes on the sport is, if, um, you know, in the right way, Dale. Thanks, Darren.